3: Why? What's that from? The song Ski. You probably don't know it. No, no, If no. you didn't know it, I'd actually be really confused and shocked. Um, <laughs> who sings it? Sexy Red.
2: Oh, no, right.
3: <laughs> no, it kills me. And it's on all of my TikToks. I've listened to it all day, and it's literally stuck in my head. It's like the Ia from Gunna Song was stuck in my head for like two months, and now it's Ski, and they're not even words, they're just noises.
2: That's so funny. No, I don't know who that is, but... Speaking of, like, you'd be surprised if I heard of that song, one thing that is really surprising, I feel like the most out-of-character person I listen to is Rico Nasty. Do, have you heard her music? It's like, I'm going to smack you right in the face. And it's,
3: <laughs> and it's so weird because, like, everyone I know who listens to Rico Nasty isn't someone i would ever listen listen to Rico Nasty. Like, really? Finn is Rico Nasty's biggest fan, and I was like, what? She's, I think she's more, like, emo than rap, which is interesting. But no, that's definitely
2: I didn't. I never thought she was a rapper. Because remember when we saw her perform at NYU? Uh, she came in. This is so out of You adult, mean when I got my came, face stomped on? That's actually a hilarious story. Your luck sometimes makes me, because. Okay, anyway. There was this concert. Just to give some context to the story. There was this concert that NYU held where Rico Nasty, along with like Roddy Rich and a bunch of other really popular performers, came up and did their thing. And it was really, really crowded. This is a very popular NYU event. And it was sanctioned, too. Like, it wasn't, like, unofficial. It was, like, NYU or whatever. Um, so, me and Sydney and our friend Finn, who is actually on the podcast season one. Go check out that episode. Sorry about the quality. Um, we all went together as, like, a little threesome. And Sydney was getting, like, abused in this space. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, so many bad things happen to you. Do you remember? It was that girl with the really frizzy hair that was flipping in your face the entire night. Which I have a video of. It's really funny. And then... Sydney, like, fell on the ground because people started moshing. I'm like, why are you moshing? This is an NYU event. Oh, I, you know how much I hate mosh pits. A mosh pit once happened at Gov Ball, and I no, actually... I mean, let me explain. <laughs> Wait, let me explain.
3: Murder. There's a mosh pit, then there's, like, two rows of people, a gigantic space, and then Sarah. And she was like, they're actually jumping on me. I need to leave.
2: I was like, girl, they are literally It gave so me a real-life panic attack,
3: too, which is funny, because I was like, this is not panic attack worthy. No, because part of me was like, I didn't know how to situation, because, like, if Sarah was, like, in the actual mosh pit, I could, like, take her out of it. But it was happening, like, at a distance from us. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to do with the situation. But I do think that moshing explains – the decline of men mm-hmm. um no offense to men i not the decline of men I, yeah
2: i think if you mosh pit you're dumb
3: sorry like yeah. i don't understand no, Well actually you're the that. decline of men because if you really think about it and we say this every episode but like there was a time men used to hunt and gather and build houses from wood and they would like and be mature philosophers and think about the distance <laughs> of life mathematicians like they used to like find math numbers like they used to like invent, like, e equals MC squared and, like, all that goodness. They used to discover gravity. Like, they were throwing apples and stuff. Like, they were doing the thing back then. They were philosophizing. <laughs> now, they pay. They pay money. They pay, like, $400 to go stand outside in the parking lot while some guy screams, <laughs> on stage, like, immobile words, muttering words, and then they bang their heads together. Like, they know. Like, I don't think you've ever seen a mosh pit. Let me explain it to you. They all get in a circle. Some random... Little, little whoever on the stage is like Majman. and then all the guys I don't know what turns on in their heads it's like their eyes change colors
2: it's true you know how like when a shark comes to attack you apparently their eyes turn black it's like that
3: yes and then they all rip their shirts off <laughs> like don't know, what's, don't know what that part's about Literally, <laughs> then they just start hitting each other and they start like batching each other's heads and then that's how they enjoy the song I guess the thing is you can't even hear the song when you're getting your head smashed then someone's head starts bleeding and everyone's like oh my god stop or they break their arm then they start doing it again and yeah that happened at this concert and I got a really bad concussion but whatever
2: I mean she fell so hard I mean I've never seen somebody drop that hard in my life so It was like then, dominoes like yeah. people fell
3: on top of me and I was the last one to fall because I'm five foot one and so yeah
2: yeah and then you were all not only were you the last one to fall But since you were the last one to fall, the most people were on you because everybody fell like back or forward. So, everyone, like, you had a lot of people on your back, your legs, your feet. So, this girl could not get up. So, one of our friends had to actually yank Sydney up by her hair. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen because that just goes to show how small and light Sydney is. It's like she just goes, boop, like.
3: Not call me small. (laughs) It's like, you know, that TikTok sounds like, then my head hit the wall, boom. Yeah. It was like that, but it was the floor of a concert venue and it was nasty so
2: gross I don't know how you didn't get like rabies or something from that mm. that's so nasty
3: that's like and I was talking about this with someone I don't know why this came up in conversation recently <laughs> where everyone was talking about how like bad lice was when they were in like middle school how like it was like, a pandemic and I remember like someone on our cheer team got lice and like obviously with cheer like I don't know if it was just our team we were always all over each other not even like when we were like dancing or stunting but like in between practices, we just all be laying on each other. So they called our entire team out of class, besides me. And I was kind of like, what's going on? Yeah, it's and surprise. so I'm like, texting everyone, me. and I'm like, why is everyone in the office besides me? Because like, my entire friend group wasn't here. And they're like, are we getting checked for lice? And I was like, damn, they didn't even call my name. And I was like, period, because my hair is to course for <laughs> I'm so glad that I will never have to deal with that. Lice being racist kind of works in my favor. Yeah. And I'm okay with that.
2: I didn't know that lice only liked white people because I got lice freshman year of college. Do you know how embarrassing that is to get lice your freshman year of college?
3: Chance got chicken fox in college from a hot tub. Sorry, Chance.
2: (laughs) That's so funny. No, I don't know why. Like, I don't know what crackhead energy that I had. Where, like, where did I get it from? I don't understand. I mean, I was sleeping with some freaky people at the time. So not freaky, like kinky freaky, but freaky, like oh, I probably shouldn't have done that, freaky. So that's probably where that
3: came from. My thing is kind of like if my kids have lice, you need to find somewhere to go because I'm not picking (laughs) that stuff out. That's nasty.
2: I know, as a parent, think about everything you have to do. You have to like rub mayonnaise in their hair or something. I don't even know how you do that. I just used a shampoo and it came out. You like like, use
3: like a little comb like comb all of them out Nar, no no we find you a, a staycation somewhere and they're gonna do it for me cause I'm not I'm not doing that
2: I don't know what it is about concerts and stuff but my I love concerts I love live music but my anxiety is peak at all times because something always bad happens like I went to this Mount Joy concert in Central Park and the concert started at 7pm these people are awesome they were not late they were there up on the stage singing <laughs> at 7pm and there's a group of guys are in front of me and one of this one of the guys takes a hit of a joint no moshing is going on here by the way but
3: I'll this say, guy in front of m- me moshing him out no, no, joy. <laughs> no.
2: this guy in front of me takes a hit of a joint he's with like five of his guy friends and he drops immediately drops to the ground and then his friends pick him up and just let him stand there again and Zach taps my boyfriend taps him on the shoulder and goes hi um he needs to like go to the medical tent he does not look good I mean he just turned you know how books say like oh he turned a nasty shade of green and then threw up everywhere yeah that's the shade of green he was like he looked like his eyes were rolling in the back of his head he was like stumbling and they were like no what are you talking about he's fine and then he falls again and Zach is like actually get him out of here this is how bad he was Two people had to get his arms, and two people had it. So four people in total had to carry him out of the middle of the concert venue to the medical tent. That's my thing about men. I'm like, no, he is not okay. Why? Like, if that ever happened to you, I would like, if you experienced maybe a quarter of those symptoms, I would start crying and go get like a security guard. Like, that's so. I don't even know what it is about men, where they're like, oh, you yeah, like, he's fine. He can sit here and,
3: like, what are you? Oh, i was so mad. That that happened at. I went to the Drake concert last week. Mm-hmm and this guy I was like on the floor so it's like general admission and this guy like passes out on the ground and no one does anything and finally people like are like waving their flashlights trying to get like medical attention to him the guy gets up they escort him out I'm not kidding you five minutes I he comes come back with a beer I was like hello your face used just to be on the ground like five minutes ago but I think and this inspired me from the Drake concert there needs to be like a concert etiquette class that you're supposed to take because Number one, at the Drake concert. So when things were happening, first, there was a group of guys in front of me who like literally shoved me to the ground to get in front of me. And I was like, you are a 35-year-old man and it's Drake. This is for the girls. Back up, everyone. Two, he wasn't even looking at Drake. He was turning around to his friends singing every single word. And I was like, are you here? You just play that in your car if that's what you're going to do. And ill, at one moment, he turns his friend and goes, I'm so hard right now. And I was like, I never need to know that information. Thank you. He did not say that. Barbie was like, even if you did feel that, why are you talking about your business? And then these two girls, who are definitely like groupies, because they're dressed in like, they have like the same thing on as like all the other girls in Drake's section. These women are from the Amazonian Amazon. <laughs> Were they like seven feet tall? Like seven foot 900 million inches tall. <laughs> and they have heels on and they're standing right in front of me. Part looks at her. I was like, girl. And she also has her phone on FaceTime. For the concert like showing them the concert and then she would like hang up put her camera on turn it to herself and then herself singing like the words and i was like never one your flashlight is blinding me (laughs) Number two, you are 900 feet tall. Please go to the back. Why are you? You can see from 15 miles away. I cannot see, and I'm two rows behind, you know? So, yeah, I need people to get it together because we're struggling, the shorties. Agreed.
2: Speaking of that whole situation, did you see that viral video about that guy at the Adele concert?
3: Who was standing up. Yeah,
2: that was standing up, and I felt so bad. Oh, my God. Like, that's different because it's Adele, and, like, everybody had a paid-for seat. Like, it's not a standing concert, but... Or there wasn't standing room. It was a seated concert. Um, but it was so sad because everybody in the front was standing. Like, in the front, kind of like half of the ground floor. Everybody was standing. Yeah. He just happened to be in the back. And this poor, baby, sweet angel was just trying to have a good time. And all the people in the back, like, old-ass women and men, which is so odd, were coming up to him being like, Be considerate there, people behind you. And I felt so bad. And Adele, it got so out of hand. Like, so many people came up to him that Adele had to stop the concert to, like, say something. Be like, stop bothering. Stop bothering this boy, this poor boy. So many people have been coming up to him since
3: I've been on. I don't mean to be offensive with my British accent. I know it's bad. But that's what she said. She was like, leave him alone, leave him alone. Aw, I felt so bad. And the funniest part is I watched that video, like, six times before I realized that everyone was talking about him trying to stand. I thought it was Abby Lee Miller that was, like, doing it in the beginning. And I was like, i oh said wheelchair. something. Yep, so that's why I kept. That's why I kept watching the video. And then I realized, I read the comments, they were like, oh my God, no, he's trying to stand up. And I was like, oh, I didn't even notice that. I was looking at Abby Lee Miller. That's all I saw. Yeah. That is so fun. Because that's
2: something Abby Lee Miller would do too. Also, she's so funny in that wheelchair, not to be offensive, but she rolls. Like, she goes, Meow. Like, she, that's the fastest wheelchair I've ever seen. I so in my life. It's reminded, like faster than a
3: car. It reminded me when we went to Moulin Rouge for my birthday, some of these Broadway ushers,
0: They're like, so... the power
3: goes straight to their head. Yeah. Like, a woman would like take her phone out to check the time. This man would launch from the depths of I don't know He'd what spawn with his flashlight. He no, he was running so fast to tell this woman to put her phone away that he <laughs> tripped up the stairs with his flashlight. I remember and I was that. like, We are in the Call middle on. of the show. He's like, Put your phone away. She was like, I'm literally checking the time. He's like, put it away. <laughs> I was like, Is it really, truly, honestly that serious? I can never take somebody seriously
2: in an argument when they say the same thing twice and slower the second time. Does that make sense? Like it was, it's someone like it's very TV show cringy to me. Someone goes, uh, "Do you understand?
3: Do you understand? Pfft, why are you being so cringy?" Like, no, I would have so to laugh. Funny. But sometimes, sometimes so it funny. eats and you Say it twice because it'd be like, "Wow." I feel like you could do it though. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta, could probably you gotta do have it. like the a way about you. Je
2: ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi. You gotta have a little je ne sais quoi, you know. No, but some people cannot do it. It's really, really crazy. I don't know. Also, so you know how. Um, when some people get mad, their lips get really tiny,
3: like their are trying
2: I can't... Yeah, yeah. the butthole mouth. I can't stand that either because you know you lost the argument if you did that.
3: You know what I mean? And you know what really betrays me? What? And I don't know how I'm going to fix this because I do <laughs> plan on being a lawyer... When I get into argument, I won't even be upset, and like I could definitely be winning. But the thought of so young at me makes me upset, so I start crying. No, you have two modes in an argument because I've
2: seen Sydney get into arguments. We've never, thank God. I literally would rather I think throw myself out this window than get in an argument with Sydney because I know oh, I would Sydney. lose. That's number one. Number oh, two thank is you. it's Sydney. The you've ever said to me, oh, of course. <laughs> uh, Sydney has two modes. She either cries or it's like hysterically crying for no reason, or she starts hysterically laughing for no reason. I remember this one time, me, her, and all of our ex roommates were in like this big fucking screaming blowout bite, right? And Cindy and I were just kind of sitting there and I remember I was cooking dinner so I was chopping broccoli and Cindy was trying so hard not to cry that she was staring at the broccoli but then the fact that I was just chopping broccoli in the middle of this really heated discussion made us cry laughing and we were oh my god everyone got
3: so mad at because it's so awkward I don't know what else to do Yeah, like one time my ex got like in my face like I was my back was against <laughs> a wall and he was like screaming at me and then I like took us and I was like actually really sad because I was like why are you yelling at me so hard like I didn't do anything but then I like stopped to think about it like I became a third person like I became a fly on the wall I just looked at his face and then he was like spitting and his face was really red and I just started laughing so hard. Did he get really mad? He, he got so mad. He was like, stop laughing right now. And I was like, it's not even funny. Like, I don't even know like what I'm laughing about, but I can't stop. <laughs> and he started crying. So. Well, you, I think it did its job. Well, he's on vacation with his girlfriend now, so everything worked out for him. Every yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> I open Facebook, it's just my exes and I'm like, oh, okay.
2: Oh my God. That is so funny. That's so funny you
3: still have Facebook.
2: Because why do you go on
3: Facebook? Okay, when I open Facebook, it's like my cousin's doing weird things I don't want to see. Or like my mom will do like one of those like mean things where it's like put your face here to like see a trend. Your mom
2: is chronically on Facebook. My mom is
3: chronically on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, We love you, Tammy. I'll be like walking on the street. She'll be on live. I'm like, girl, what are you living right now? Um, But yeah, she loves her on Facebook. I only go on Facebook to stalk people from my past. But it's so hard because, like, I usually date older men. So, like, it's so easy to stalk them on Facebook. Because they still post. they still po- They post Facebook? everything that you could ever want about the lives. Like, I'll be like, I wonder what this person's up to. Open Facebook. They're dating this person. They're here at this time, at this date, doing this thing with this person. <laughs> got my answer. <laughs> but with people I'm seeing now, because they're, like, young and, like, mysterious and whatever, yeah. i got to, like, do a couple extra steps. And, you know, it's taxing on my heart, my soul, my brain, and my time. Mm. Um, it's so
2: funny because I know that you obviously no one wants to do those extra steps, but you're so good at it. Like I remember, oh my God, this one time we were I don't know what was happening, but we saw this guy and I was like he looks so familiar. so he took out her, I don't know what you did, but you took out your phone, did a little and then in four seconds you knew his name, social security number, his house.
3: I, I was like, what in the world? I will say it's a little bit scary <laughs> yeah. and it's because I was chronically online as a child. Um, Tumblr. But the thing is, is that, do you know how upsetting it is when I do know information about someone? Like, I know where they went to school. I know their name. And I can't find them. Like, you have no trace of yourself on the internet. I have, like, a boring name, like, John Smith. And I'm like, OK, well, <laughs> no, I'm hit a rock and find people that name. <laughs> the thing is, like, I'm so chronically online. And no one in the world, no one in this entire universe of eight mm. billion people has my name spelled my way that you don't have to know anything about me. You could know just my first name or just my last name or just my school and find everything in the world about me. Like, I know um, people do, like, background checks for work, so I'll be like, oh, my God, I'm going to Google me and see what I find. It's my rap pad. It's my story from – my short stories from middle school. It's, like, Harry Styles. It's my bisco. Took my shirt off. My bikini pictures. Like, I was like, oh, my God, okay, well. <laughs> Luckily, it's nothing bad. It's just embarrassing.
2: No, I, I do think, though, that, you know, law firms in particular and just, like, you know – doctor firm just like I feel like big corporations in general know by now that like we're gonna post bikini pictures on Instagram and that's not a factor in anything anymore you know what I mean um or just like anything of the sort but I get it it's like yeah that is I would I know I look my name up and it is a dog trainer who is famous apparently but she has my exact yeah, same name does. same spelling
1: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
2: Now that we've talked for three <laughs> years. now that we've talked about the rooms, yes.
3: literally yes. nothing. Guys, I'm trying to, I've had, we've been in this apartment for actually a year mm-hmm. now. We're actually, we'll be in here in a year for two days. And I don't have a single decoration in my room because I have a fear of commitment. And every time I like see like, I like a poster, I'm like, wait, if I don't like it tomorrow, so I haven't decorated my room yet. And now I'm like forcing myself, so it looks kind of weird. It's just black and white. So I'm like, Sydney, get decorations, and I'm shopping online for them right now because you know I like to multitask, and I just I can't commit. The thing is, when I find a man, I'm like, I love you, marry me. So, like, <laughs> why can't I have that commitment with posters? I don't
2: know. No, it's with certain things. I mean, I was ta- – how was I talking to you about this? I think I was talking to a high school friend about this. I was saying how, for me, it's so weird. Like, This is not the same thing, but I feel like we as modern women kind of view relationships, friends, and, like, everything in between as totally different sectors in our life. Like, we're really good at categorization because – we might have a fear of commitment of putting decorations up in our bedroom, but why are we so, like, open to love? And, like, for me, it's, like, why am I so um, initially pessimistic and untrustworthy when it comes to men? And why am I so much harder on, like, my partner than I am on my friends? It's, you know what I mean? I feel like as women in 2023, I feel like that's a thing we we're kind of forced to do, which is weird. It's interesting to think about. That might be a good episode topic.
3: Because, like, my posters don't tell me I'm cute and snuggle me at night. Yeah. That's what I want. And- <laughs> I just hang a man on my wall. Actually, that sounded so bad. <laughs> 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 Never mind. Like, yeah, I said that. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's She didn't mean, I mean it, you guys.
2: You know, it's a really like, hmm. games here. Um, uh, so the topic of today is inspired by this really, really viral video that went pretty crazy on TikTok. This was like two weeks ago. I think this video is maybe more than that. But it is an interviewer talking with Tom Holland, who, if you don't know, The Impossible, Spider Man, the cutest little smush of all time. He got uh, oh, he's dating Zendaya still. I think. I hope that's still a thing. You don't think that's PR, do you? I really hope that's real.
3: The that they're dating.
2: No, that him and Zendaya are dating.
3: PR. Nah. You think? No, they're for life That's what
2: I thought. Okay, that's what I was asking. I really, yeah. Because <laughs> what would want... they be
3: PRing for? He's literally like quitting acting, he said, yeah. kind of. But also, they're just so in love. makes you want to, like, oh my God, the way he talks about her. I'm like, oh my God, let me go shave my head. And they're so private. It makes my heart. I, they just seem so genuinely yeah. happy. And I like that they like to live their life privately instead of being so, like, blah, about their relationship. But yeah, I don't know. It's cute to me.
2: It's interesting to see celebrity couples and the different dynamics because like Haley Bieber and Justin,
3: <clears throat>
2: uh, no, they're, they're
3: never not, going to the same place. I'm yeah. always like, where are you going? You're Did just you like that. and just like that.
2: Oh yeah. So this interview was really, really awesome. And it went viral on TikTok for numerous reasons. One, because Tom Holland is America's treasure. And two is because the way he described not just a plight of alcoholism, but also his sober journey was really exciting and I think was very appealing to a lot of people. Because when you think, at least I know this in my case, when you think alcoholism, especially I have alcoholics in my family, it's like when you think alcoholics, you think of, or at least this is me, people who are drinking from like 9 a.m. to when they go to bed, getting blacked out like every day, Um, every single time they drink, they have a very serious consequence to their actions such as DUIs, injuries, et cetera, et cetera. When in reality... Alcoholism is way more common than that. And I think it affects people in different ways. And every person's alcoholism or sober journey is completely, completely different. Like just because that's Tom's alcoholic journey doesn't mean that that's somebody else or whatever. And it's really interesting because he provided a whole new perspective. And I took a class on drugs and alcohol in college. And this was even different from anything like that because obviously the course was very fact-based objective, but he was talking very subjectively about his own personal experience. Essentially, if you haven't seen the video, which I'm sure that you have, he was saying how it's not like he was one of those stereotypical, very heavy drinkers that I had just mentioned – it was for him. He had just come back from a long, very booze-heavy vacation, and was like, "Okay, I'm going to do a sober month because, like, I drank a lot on this vacation. and No other reason. He did a sober month, and then he realized, uh, upon that month's completion, not only was he just really looking forward to the time when he could drink again, which he was like, mm, "Maybe I shouldn't be doing that," but he was also he he was also noticing how center and focused his life was on alcohol. He was really missing like the whole social drinking. He was missing like. Oh, you know, I had a really stressful day. Let me have like a drink. He was missing a lot of that. And that longing and desire was very central in that month. So he was, he made the um, active decision to be, or proactive decision to be completely sober for the rest of his life, which I think is extremely admirable. And from that interview, Sydney and I were talking about it. We love to talk about sober curiosity and just, Cindy and I always strive to be healthier in our drinking habits, you know, ourselves, so, we wanted to do an episode on sober or like being sober and sober curiosity because, you know, we've been talking. This is a very like relationship centered podcast, also. And we are more than men, we are more than that. Not that we've gotten any negative feedback, but we thought that this would be a really interesting like um, topic to talk about just because it affects so many people, especially sitting and I just coming out of college. Um, it affects a lot of people we're friends with, it affects us, it affects our family and everybody we know. So, we thought this could be a really relatable um thing to talk about
3: and I think one thing that I've talked about a lot recently like amongst my friends and family but also I've just noticed in general is that I feel like pre I don't know what I guess our high school time like it was it seems a lot it seems a lot easier to like know when you had a problem with alcohol because I feel like even in like those little classes we took in high school, I don't know what you called them. It wasn't sex ed; it was like life management. They called it. They would be like, "Oh, alcoholism means that like you get drunk every day and like you're violent." And like while those are aspects that could be, that are like of some people who are alcoholics, I feel that alcohol has become so ingrained in our like everyday social life. Um, that it's kind of hard now, I think, to recognize when you do have a problem with alcohol just because it's become so normalized. Like, and I thought about this because we are literally making alcoholic water. Why is that necessary? Like, 2008 era, like, all there was was, like, hard liquor, like vodka, gin, tequila, whatever. Now we have alcoholic lemonade. We have frozen stuff. We have Trulies. We have White Claws. We have hard water. Like, we have... I feel like there's just so much available and it's kind of like pushed at us that people don't realize like why are we craving alcoholic water but also i just feel like even in, especially in new york like the culture of like happy hour and um like ladies drink free until nine like it's just so encouraged that i feel like drinking has become like a normalized part of our routine and like just because i think it's normalized doesn't mean that it's still not a problem And, like, my friends and I talked talked about this a lot recently because we were, like, why is it when we hang out with our friends it's always around the guise of alcohol? So, like, recently we've been doing a lot of, like, girls' nights and, like, game nights or going out where, like, it's not centered around drinking. And I tell you, I have such a better time. And I'll get into, like, my own personal story about, like, sober curiosity and not drinking that, like, my journey through it. But that's just, like, my little introduction into, like, why that's been on my mind recently.
2: Yeah, before, because I, me and Sydney have both been in this episode talking about, like, we've been coining the term alcoholism, and I do want to define it in case you don't know, or before you get yelled at, just, like, as a disclaimer, um, alcoholism is defined by alcohol dependence which is the body's physical inability to stop drinking in the presence of alcohol cravings individuals with an alcohol addiction may go to extreme measures such as stealing lying hiding alcohol drinking household cleaners that contain alcohol and other unhealthy behaviors to obtain alcohol due to cravings and the fear of withdrawal in the absence of alcohol these individuals can experience alcohol withdrawals which are characterized by agitation tremors hot flashes increased heart rate and blood pressure nausea and vomiting and seizures withdrawing from alcohol can be lethal in this case and therefore individuals should seek professional help in trying to quit their alcoholism habits so that is from Pineland's Recovery Center of Medford. And I also want to plug an alcohol um, addiction hotline. Oh, my God. I'm looking this up on, like, a incognito <laughs> strip so that my uh, Internet does not think I have an alcohol <laughs> problem. Okay, hold on. So, okay. Uh, nope, that's for New York City. Where, Where is it? Okay, here we go. There is a national drug and alcohol treatment hotline that's 1 800 622 HELP or 4357 in case you need that resource. There's also this great resource that I learned about in one of my drug classes that I took in college. It's called Moderation Management. So, if you, so there is a difference also between like alcoholism and heavy drinking, like scientifically, which was also on that same article from the Pinelands Recovery Center of Medford. (laughs) Pretty random, but it's true. And for stuff like that, like if you're thinking about sober curiosity, if you're trying to moderate your drinking, but you don't, if you don't think it's reached levels of like AA or an addiction per se, being a heavy drinker or having a dependence on alcohol is still an issue and it's still a very serious issue. So I would recommend help for that. This program called Moderation Management. And it's really cool. What they do is they put you in groups. And um, I, so I don't have any personal experience with this, nor do I know anybody who's gone through this program, but I learned a lot about it a couple years ago and it still stands today. It's really, really cool. It's all online, it's all digital. You don't have to go anywhere to do it. They put you in groups with like-minded people to try and moderate your alcohol management so if you don't want to cut alcohol out of your life completely it takes you through this program to like lower your dependence on it and it's really cool the first month you go through is completely sober so no drinking for one month and after that it starts to like wean you back on the substance um socially and etc if you feel like that's what's best for you so I just kind of wanted to plug those resources
3: before we continue the rest of the episode and like important point that you touched on that I feel like is also a thing is that it's kind of twofold because on one hand I feel like we're in a generation where we know just so much and we have names for so many things that like you talk to literally anyone and they can say like oh I've been diagnosed with like x y and z <clears throat> and I feel like on one hand like we are a very diagnosed diagnosis dependent society but on the other hand so many things go undiagnosed because we like to self-diagnose and I think that like Sarah said, like alcoholism does have like its own definition, but like from my own personal view, because I'm not a doctor or a scientist or a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, I my degree is in Sydney Winter and knowledge of knowledge. And that is all the degree and she needs, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> At this university, we got we got knowledge. Hey. Um, is that I think that like alcoholism or alcohol dependency really is a scale and like on one end of that is sober on the other end is alcoholism but like a very big part in the middle that I think a lot of our generation falls into which I think is still a problem like just from my point of view and like how I experience everyday life is like heavy drinking and I feel like people might still think that means like oh I gotta like crush a six I was gonna say eight pack <laughs> six pack of beer like just for the fun of it but like I think it manifests itself in so many ways and like I think that dependency on alcohol can be a social thing, it can be an anxiety thing, it can be a depression thing, without necessarily being alcoholism, like I think a lot of people, and I think this is the best example I can think of for it, is like, let's say you go through a breakup, or you had a stress day at work, and like your first thought is, I need a drink, like that's not in itself a problem, but I think when it becomes a pattern of relying on substances, whether that's drugs, alcohol, vaping, smoking, like whatever, if that's like becoming the first stop to quote-unquote solving issues rather than facing them or thinking through them or finding like healthier ways to cope for me like that's the beginning or like center place of like alcohol problems and I think that for me I've never been a heavy drinker I have my mom's alcohol level tolerance? of dependency like tolerance <laughs> yeah I have my mom's alcohol tolerance where, like, I have one drink and I'm like, oh, woo-wee, the room is spinning. <laughs> so, and, like, I didn't drink in high school. So I think that I was introduced to alcohol a lot later in college. And because of that, like, I never really got into heavy drinking. So, like, drinking for me in my heavy was like, maybe three or four drinks when I would go out with my friends. But, like, I would never really drink throughout the week unless it was, like, a glass of wine at dinner or, like, wine with friends. But, like, I never drink alone or, like, I – would never like hammer 12 shots in the night like that just was never my personality but at the same time I realized that earlier this year or like the end of last year that like every single time I would hang out with my friends drinking was involved and like maybe it was like two times a week or like Friday Saturday Thursday Friday Saturday and like while that might be normal drinking for some people for me I just didn't like the way it made me feel like i would only have two drinks and like maybe one shot when i would go out but like, i would still like wake up feeling gross about myself and like just like having a headache or like feeling nauseous or i felt like my body comp started to change because of how much alcohol was like introduced into like my everyday life just because like i don't know what it is about law school is that law school is like a very alcohol heavy like atmosphere to be in because we have happy hours every night with firms we have happy hours for school we have um, an open bar at every single event and those events are daily so I feel like if I wasn't drinking people would ask me why or like I couldn't just have a coke because so I didn't feel like having wine every single night I just don't enjoy doing that so for me that was like my first step into like sober curiosity and for about four or five months earlier this year I just stopped drinking not because I felt like I needed to, or because I had to, or because I had a problem, just because I hated how much I had become like a part of everyday life, or like it was an expectant, expectant? Expectation um, that like I had to be drinking when out with my friends, or had to be drinking at all these events. So I just stopped drinking, and when I tell you, I one, lost a lot of weight, which like wasn't the intention, but it was just like a side effect of it, but two, I just felt so much better about myself, and I felt like my mental health was better, my coping abilities were better, I just felt healthier, and the way that i i didn't intend to be like sober or anything i just didn't have an interest in drinking and like now when i go out i might maybe have one or two drinks and most of the time i literally just order a coke at the bar and i have such a better night knowing that like i'm in control of my thoughts i'm not wasting like a hundred dollars a night on alcohol and i'm still able to like have a good time go out with my friends wake up the next morning at eight and go about my day so like for me it was never necessarily like an issue of like Oh, I have a drinking problem. I just think that self recognition is a hard thing to do. But for me, it was like, I just don't want to have alcohol be like such a big part of my life. So I'm going to step away. And it was easy to do, or easier than I thought it would be. And like making adjustments now that I'm like still going out and being social has been like fine. There's been no problem with it. But I think it's just interesting how much it's become like a daily part of conversation on TikTok, social media about like drinking and how ingrained it is in our like everyday society.
2: That's awesome. I love hearing your story and I really love two points that you brought up. One, because I just love it and two, because it segues into my personal story um, or my personal journey with alcohol. The first is when you were like, I wasn't... I didn't feel like I was a heavy drinker. I didn't feel like I had an alcohol dependency and I was still sober curious. And I really do want to make that disclaimer because if you clicked on this episode or if you are thinking about being sober curious, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a drinking problem. That just means you're engaging in healthy habits for yourself. And just like in general you're trying to like make an active healthy choice and I think like you can still be healthy and drink alcohol but I just kind of wanted to let you know that if you are thinking about being sober curious or thinking about doing a sober month or thinking about doing a sober week or looking to cut down your drinking habits in general that doesn't mean you have an issue and Sydney and I are in the same boat because look at Sydney for example she was never a heavy drinker and still decided she wanted to be healthier or minimize her drinking practices so I think that's a perfect example and the second is that I love how you said, we we touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but when you mentioned that it becomes a gateway or an issue when you start leaning on alcohol as a crutch whenever you're upset or you go through a breakup or you have a bad day, I love that point because this kind of leads into my story. Something very traumatic happened to me my freshman year of college and... I drank in high school only my senior year, and I drank on and off freshman year of um, college as well. But something extremely traumatic happened my second semester that caused me to go to parties more, go out more, go to bars more. Like, I'm talking every day of the week. Like, go out and heavily drink. And I was leaning on alcohol as a, crush, a crutch, among with other things like nicotine and marijuana and stuff like that. Um, for me... I quit smoking marijuana and nicotine cold turkey because that to me was like very, it was very obvious and apparent and situational why I was doing those two things. Alcohol has always been like a little more of a player in my life and something that I thought I can manage a little healthier. Um, So I do want to disclaim that I didn't like get help or I didn't have a therapist at the time to kind of talk through my what I thought was like leaning on alcohol a little too much. But here's what I did. Here are some um, habits that I kind of engaged in. And again, I'm not a doctor, like Cindy said, like I don't, whatever, I don't have a degree in this stuff. But here's stuff that I did that I thought really moderated my drinking. First is I would set myself active goals. Like I would be, and again, it's like same thing, like I said earlier, it's just like, just because you do this, you don't have to be like me. It doesn't have to be because like something happened to you or you feel like you're drinking too much. Anybody can do this and I highly encourage you to do it no matter what your drinking habits are so one is setting a goal I would always set myself active goals like okay I'm, I'm gonna go out this weekend and only have one drink I'm gonna go out to dinner and only have one glass of wine and that really helped me two was that I actually looked into and I know you have like a lot of people have to do this for college like Sydney and I have to do it and I know this stuff's really boring but it was actually really helpful to see like exactly the scientific measure you know that alcohol thing we had to go through when we started NYU or as, like, healthy drinking yeah, like practices. Yeah, literally. And I know it can be boring sometimes. But it was actually really interesting. And it looking this up and doing research my freshman year kind of reminded me of this. Is that, me, like, know how much is in one drink. Because, like, just because a bartender pours you a shot doesn't necessarily mean that that's one shot. You know, some bartenders pour, like, half shots. Some bartenders pour, like fill a whole solo cup with tequila. Do you know what I mean? So I think being knowledgeable about the scientific measurements that goes into the drinks that you are literally putting into your body was extremely helpful for me and made me realize that, like, wow, I might have been drinking more than I even thought I was. Also, in my experience, eating... Definitely lessen those like, oh, I need to lean on alcohol because I was just like eating more and eating healthier and eating like more regularly, like having a regular eating schedule. Because after the thing that happened to me, I kind of stopped eating and that I think increased my alcohol cravings. Um, I was like really on a very wacky schedule with my eating habits and drinking water and sleep. So those are the three things that I think once I got those in check, it was a lot easier to like maintain my drinking habits. And then also... Setting a budget. Like Sydney mentioned, not drinking as much saves you a ton of money. It's like the money factor. you know what I mean? Also, first is your health. And then second of all, it is saving money. Alcohol is so expensive, especially at restaurants and bars. They upcharge you so much. And regulating your drinking can really save your money, which is awesome. Also, one more thing that I just remembered is counting your drinks like make an active mental note to be like okay this is my second drink this is my third drink because Sydney was earlier talking about control that gives you control when you're like you're setting a goal and then you keep it in check it helps so much and I promise I did those because like you know what happened to me happened and then COVID happened so it forced me to like go home and really took a hard take a hard look in the mirror which was really hard to do but then I came back to New York City and a city that literally perpetuates going out. Like Sydney said, you step out of the door and alcohol is like shoved in your face basically. So coming back to the city with those steps in mind really, really helped me. And I think it could help you too. Not you Sydney, but you like the listener.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah.
4: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now, I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
1: Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
3: And I think like the one like train of thought that like really pushed me towards like wanting to be sober curious for the few months that I was, and I guess I kinda still am, but the The train of thought was, like, I would be out, and I had been thinking about this for a while after I saw, like, a Twitter discourse about hard water that I was talking about earlier, like, what are we doing? (laughs) But, um, the train of thought was I would be, like, actively thinking like, why am I drinking right now? So I'd be out with friends, or at lunch in the middle of the day, or going shopping with friends, or whatever. And, like, let's say I got, like, a glass of wine, or I got, like, an Aperol Spritz, or whatever. I would like very much generally think to myself why am i drinking and there would never be a reason like it's not because oh like i wanted to um like enjoy my night just like a little bit more comfortable or um like i had a taste for it i was literally only doing it because my friends were or because there was a happy hour deal and everyone else was getting one like i never actually needed to have a drink i think that's one thing that pushed me towards um like wanting to just stop and like I don't buy alcohol ever like I don't go to the store to buy alcohol I don't ever like drink by myself or like drink at home so like I think I was having a battle with like do I have an issue or a dependency or like how do I characterize like what I feel like I'm going through and so I think looking into sober curiosity and realizing that like it's not like I'm going sober because I have an issue but going sober because I just realized like I didn't want alcohol to play as big of a part in my life as it did was like a big thing for me and realizing that like it became like kind of like a social crutch and I didn't want to have anything in my life that I feel like I need to depend on um so that's like the first steps for me but I also follow um someone on TikTok who was also in law school who was talking about her journey with alcoholism and an addiction to alcohol and she was saying that it started off like as any college person would, like you drink beer and you go out with your friends. You like drink at home, like whatever. It was like very normal to her, and then going to law school and becoming an influencer, like being in that space, it's like every single event you go to is alcohol surrounded. Like they have themed drinks, they have buy one get one free, they have happy hour, whatever. Like everything she went to just encouraged alcohol, and she felt like it got to a point where like she couldn't go to one of those events or um like interact in those kind of spaces without having a drink in her hand and she was like i was talking to someone about my experience and the therapist was like you might have an addiction to alcohol and in her her mind she was like i had family members who were alcoholics and like they were always like very violent and loud and like there were like very clear signs that alcohol was playing like a negative role in their behavioral um tendencies but she was like for her she still acted like herself it was just more so like she realized that she didn't realize how much she was drinking so she went sober and she got a really large following on tiktok talking about being sober in legal spaces and as an influencer and like things that she was picking up like habits whether it was like working out or journaling and things like that that she helped felt replaced that feeling of needing to always be drinking and she did a video a few weeks ago which is kind of why or a few days ago which is why i brought this topic up to do on the podcast where she decided to break her sobriety and she had been sober for i think a year and a half or two years before making the video and when she posted that she was no longer sober people were like really upset in the comments talking about like oh like you were a source of inspiration for me or you made me realize that like i might have an issue with alcohol even though like to me it seems very normal and she was like well one you have to realize like people who are influencers or people who are in the public space they're doing these things for themselves they're not doing it because they need to be your therapist or your sponsor or your your sponsor like everyone's on their own personal journey and while it is good to like have people you can go through these things with at the same time like your sobriety or like your desire to be healthier and like make healthier and better choices for yourself can't be tied to anyone else has to be tied to like your own desire to like want to be healthier or get healthier or be better But at the same time, she was like, my goal was never to never have alcohol again. It was to distance myself from alcohol for a long enough period of time where I could like learn how it was changing me or, like, reconnect with myself on a healthier basis and, like, gain healthier habits before I introduce alcohol back into my life again. But now she's, like, I don't drink during the week. I don't drink alone. I don't drink at home. I don't go buy alcohol. But if I'm out with friends, I can have a drink and understand that, like, it's not going to become an issue again because I've done the work I needed to do to understand the underlying problems. And so I think that that just, like stood out to me a lot because i think that we always hear narratives about alcoholism and what that looks like sobriety and what that looks like people think it's a kind of like a lifelong journey but for her she was like it doesn't have to be like you never drink alcohol again it could be more still so learning about its role the role it plays in your life understanding that like even though it's hard to admit it's the hardest thing to admit that you might have a problem and that's kind of um, applies to everything like whether you're depressed or whether you might have an eating disorder or like anything that I feel like has stigma around it in society it's hard to admit to yourself but the first step is always admitting and I think just like realizing that it is like a step-by-step journey and you can like introduce those things back into your life Um, in a healthier way, whether it's, like, eating healthier, drinking less, exercising more, et cetera, just leading to, like, healthier, more sustainable habits is so important. So I think that that video, like, really stood out to me for that reason, and I admire her even more because of it, you know?
2: I completely... Do you have her username to plug?
3: Yeah, it's Haley Marie. I don't know the exact username, but that's her name. I'll look it up.
2: That's awesome, though. While you're looking for that, I think the main point, or one of the main points... In this episode and beyond, is that everyone's journey in general is going to be different. You know, as a society, we do love to label things, but everyone's journey with alcohol is completely different. Let alone everything else, like mental illness, etc., and like studying, sleeping, eating, drinking, like water. Even it's like everybody has a different like sense of and necessity uh, scale. That I think it's just. It's really hard for other people to understand. It's like you are not me, I am not you. And I think if you are sober curious or like gonna going through this journey or even want to like lessen your drinking habits at all, that's the first thing you have to understand. It's like people can give you advice all they want, but it's at the like, but also, again, one thing that I do want to say is like, while no one necessarily knows your individual journey, please do listen to people who love and care about you because, like Cindy said, it is so hard to like look in the mirror and admit you have an issue. But when the people who are around you most and love you and see what you're doing are telling you that you might have an issue, I would say, or that, or just like giving you advice on stuff that you should do in general, or telling you to break up with your cheating boyfriend or telling you to like, Oh, maybe you should drink less this week. Like just something like that. I say, listen, I mean, these are the people who are just like, have nothing. These are people who have nothing but love in their hearts for you. And as much as they don't necessarily understand your personal journey or like what your body necessarily needs, If enough people are telling you that you need to change some aspect of what you are doing or of your actions, it's
3: probably true on some level. I think, like, it's always hard to have these conversations. And, like, I think, think about this. If your friends are overcoming what's obviously something that's very awkward to bring up, because obviously you don't want to, like, even if it is, whether it's about a boyfriend or the way another friend's treating them or alcohol or food, like, relationship with food, whatever it is it's always hard to have those conversations to be like hey like I recognize that this could potentially be an issue from the outside I just want to like let you know that I see that it could be an issue and like I want to be here to help you etc like whatever it is that those conversations are so hard to have both to hear and to give so I feel like if your friends are like taking the time and like getting over that awkwardness to try and help you that like take that into account you know obviously i think our first like instinct is to be defensive because like we said like admitting you have a problem is always the hardest part or even recognizing that you have one so if i just like remember that because i know like when it came to relationships my friends would always be like girlie what are you doing like, we're all concerned i'd be like oh my god you don't know him oh. yeah. <laughs> I think, like being on the other side of things like i thank them so much for doing so and like i had a really unhealthy problem with food at the beginning of this year where like I was drastically losing weight in a very unhealthy way and I became like really obsessed with working out and like I wasn't eating anything I had awful awful anxiety I wasn't drinking because like literally if I had one drink I would be like extremely physically sick to the point where like I would have to go to the doctor and it'd be like there's something wrong with me because like I can't keep down food I can't keep down alcohol I can't keep down water and so I feel like I knew there was something wrong, but it took my friends stepping in and being like, girl, you need to get help. Or like, it could be this, it could be that. Like, we're concerned for you. Because like, I think I saw myself every day, so I didn't realize how much weight I'd been losing or like how it had been affecting like my behavior and like my socialness, my anxiety. But I think having friends who like cared enough or were observant enough to like pull me aside and be like, we're really concerned for you. I think realizing that like they got over all the awkwardness to do so meant that it was serious I think that like putting my pride aside or like the awkwardness aside and like actually listening to what they had to say was so important and it's what helped me get over all my issues go get checked out etc so I think just keep that in mind when it comes to like having these like difficult conversations with friends or family or partners or whoever it might be
2: totally it it really does take I think good friends to say something or just like help you out in any way they can because You know, friends don't necessarily... I mean, if they do, that's great. But friends don't necessarily have, like, degrees, nor are they therapists, and you shouldn't treat them as such. However... Um, they can be really huge supportive pillars to lean on in place of whatever you are leaning on that might not be the healthiest for you, i.e. alcohol, drugs, et So like, for example, when I was going through that period where I was like, man, I'm drinking way too much. I need to stop. I need to chill. Cindy and I tried to do a dry month and like we talked about doing stuff like that. So it really does take friends to be really supportive and family and stuff. And if you don't have a support system, therapy is always out there. Or if you don't feel like you have a solid enough support system to lean on in this scenario, Therapy is awesome. There are a lot of free therapy sites you can use and hotlines like the number I mentioned earlier in this podcast etc etc. One thing I forgot to say and I know Sydney is going to give me a, a stamp of approval on this one is the ability to say no because a lot of times drinking problems and drinking dependencies at least in my personal experience and like what I see from other people and like this also has a factor in Sydney and I's personal journeys with alcohol like starts with going out and being social, going to frat parties, etc., etc. So at whatever age you are because this is applicable to all ages, all levels of school, etc., is that you need to be able to confidently say no. Do you know what I mean? Not just like no, not just like maybe, like no. If you set a goal for yourself and you don't want to drink tonight or if you don't want to, I don't know, take a hit at the joint or if you don't want to like do the line of coke or if you don't want to go to the party or if you don't want to kiss this guy like the confident power of saying no fuck politeness um shout out to my favorite murder because that's their slogan it goes such a long way and it really does make you feel empowered it's scary at first at least it was for me but at the end of the day not having a hangover is worth it being overall healthier is worth it and you are worth it and that is all I have to say and I think um
3: I think I think I thought tell us what you think I thought tell us I thunked and the funk just came out of my head <laughs> oh yeah I when I first started like being super curious like I literally wouldn't go out because I was like I'm just gonna feel weird like being around everyone drinking yeah and not being the only one drinking but it makes the night so much more entertaining I remember everything everybody did and said the next day and, be, like, and they don't remember they don't
2: remember they might not remember
3: yeah and then at the same time like (laughs) when i go up to the bar i just order a plain coke with lime and it's like four dollars like i can go the whole night and spend twelve dollars on drinks boom and i still have a good time because like i can dance have fun but also like look out for my friends and like remember everything the next day and i feel like people think it might be hard but like all of that is literally just in our heads. Who's gonna care if I'm not drinking? Like that's nothing to do with them. At the end of the day, like I'm gonna wake up feeling better about myself. I'm gonna save money. I'm gonna be healthier because alcohol, at the end of the day, is bad for you. No matter how much you have, it it's bad for you. It's like so a I mild that, poison. <laughs> like, it literally is poisoning your blood. So I think just keeping that in mind, like I can still drink if I want to. I'll I'll grow. I'll be at a happy hour. I'll get it twisted, but and like I'll have a drink when I go out. But like I keep it to one or two, and I still feel great the next day. So. I think that was kind of, like, where my head was at, where it currently is at. That's my situation right now. Um, and it feels great. Like, I have no problem with it. I've saved so much money. I feel like I have less drama in my life. because <laughs> So much drama is centered around alcohol. And I don't know. It feels kind of good or whatever.
2: And I want to kind of end on a positive note where I want to list some long-term benefits of moderating your alcohol use. Because, again, Cindy and I aren't here telling you, you have to go sober. Neither of us are sober. And I'm not sober curious, and I never have been. Um, Sydney was for a short period of time but you know we try we're, we're always constant and like again Sydney and I are not perfect we are constantly trying to figure out ways to moderate our drinking to moderate like on any unhealthy behaviors because we all have unhealthy behaviors we're human so I think like that's also just a disclaimer like we're not trying to preach from the choir we all have things we're trying to work on but just to end on a positive note Some long term benefits of moderating your alcohol use include better sleep, stronger immune system, healthy heart, better judgment, better interpersonal relationships and a stable mood because alcohol is associated with mood swings, depression and anxiety. So like it is like that's a fact. I'm not just saying that for my cerebrain. So I just think if that is not enough motivation for you, I, I would say definitely seek um, extra help but if it is you are on this journey with the rest of us we love you all no matter what your situation is my name's Sarah, that is Sydney this is Crying in Public you can listen to us on Spotify, iHeart Podcast Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and you can follow us on Instagram at Crying in Public Podcasts. Goodbye! Goodbye.